All right, I think we're I think we're working. I hope we are. Looks like we're looks like we're looks like we're going. And so every now and then I either we see some issue or uh in this case Andrew tells me, begs me to talk about some issue that he had he had in his travels had um dealt with or at least is talking with some individuals of of differing doctrines and um so that's what we're going today we're going to look at one particular doctrine and look and see what the bible has to say about it see if 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 it's right if it's not right and and again when we're looking at these issues of you know whatever it may be and you know if Somebody is saying, "Hey, Evan, we, we ought to be doing X," and I say, "No, we need to be we need to be doing Y or Z." Well, the the ultimate standard that we all ought to be following is, is simply what the Bible tells us. And so, we're going to look at the Bible and going to see what the Bible has to say about uh, what is commonly called the uh, the one cup doctrine. Okay, and, and so that's what we're going to we're talking about today. And some of you may have heard of it, some of you may not, but so we just partook of the, of the Lord's Supper, and there was, we used the little individual cups for each person to take uh, part of the fruit of the vine, and this one cup doctrine, it says that those that partake of the Lord's Supper must all drink from the same container, all right? So there would be one cup. And everybody that's partaking is taking a sip, you know, putting their lips to the same container, taking a sip out of that out of that one container. And uh, it's based on the interpretation, we'll get to this later, interpretation in uh, Matthew 26, Mark chapter 14, about Jesus' instructions to the disciples and how they were to partake of the fruit of the vine. And what we also see, and I just want to point out that they're, even in, in the midst of this, that there's, at least to me, there's a little bit of inconsistencies about how uh, this this teaching is uh, applied because in my studying of it, some actually teach, and some congregations, not all, but some that hold to these same ideas actually have more than one cup being passed around. So it may be on one side of the, the building, one cup is being passed, and on the other side, another cup is being passed, but it's still the same idea that you're taking part of the same cup, or at least most of us are partaking of the same cup that is being uh, passed around. And so we're going to look at a few scriptures. We're going to look at Matthew 26, Mark chapter 14, Luke chapter 22. Those are all of the chapters in which we see uh, the retelling of Christ instituting the Lord's Supper. And so in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29, we're just going to read it. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So that's Matthew's 
retelling Mark chapter 14 verses 22 through 25 it says and as they were eating Jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank from it and he said to them this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many assuredly I say to you I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God pretty similar all right so we start seeing the same story bread fruit of the vine Jesus telling them to drink from the cup he's telling them uh, what this represents this is my blood of the new covenant and then saying I'm no longer going to drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it new with you in the kingdom of God that takes us to Luke chapter 22 verses 17 to 20 again Luke's version says then he took the cup and gave thanks and said take this and divide it among yourselves for I say to you I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me likewise he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you alright a little bit different uh, if I remember correctly the partaking of the cup and the bread are a little bit different order here uh, but again similar similar statements being made uh, although there are a little bit of differences here in Luke versus Matthew and Mark so Matthew and Mark and Luke we all have the same story that Jesus blesses the bread he breaks it gives it to the disciples okay he gives thanks for the cup he gives it to the disciples okay and they drink from it okay and so we see that, and then there's, there's two more uh, sets of scriptures that we, we draw from in looking at uh, the, the Lord's Supper and information about it, and that is in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. So 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 through 17, I mentioned this before earlier, it says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So again, when we are partaking, we're communing with the blood and body of Christ. All right? Don't ask me about all the specifics. I don't, you know, it, this is just what's happening. Okay? We're communing with the blood and body of Christ there. And also, it brings in the note that we are all one bread, one body. We're all together. We're all unified. And, you know, again, we're unified through Christ. All right? That's how we are all uh, come together, that we can all become part of that body. That's how we're all brethren. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26 it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after saying, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes and so I mean this is basically what we uh, 
the same thing as what we see in Matthew and Mark of, of Paul retelling what Jesus did, that he broke the bread, that he gave the cup to the disciples, and then he ends it by saying, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Okay? So, and, and, and I guess one thing that I should clarify, when we're talking about the one cup doctrine, I, I was looking at this, and, and, some, and I was reading what somebody said, and, and he basically made the point that we all agree with the idea of one cup. We all have about this one cup that Jesus that we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the difference is, is whether or not we use one container or not. And so, when don't get confused talking about one cup. When we talk about one cup, we're, what we're talking about is we're all using one container uh, to partake of the fruit of the vine. And I think that's a better way to kind of clarify uh, what we mean by that. So, I want to look at some common ground between, I guess you would say, what we do versus those that may hold to that one cup doctrine. And we all understand, at least as far as I know, that we all understand the need to partake on the first day of the week. We see that in Acts 20 and verse 7, and uh, we just see that that's the only information that we really have on any specific time period, all right, that, we're, that they were partaking on the first day of the week. And so given that information, we should do the same. We all understand the need to have unleavened bread, and we all understand the need to have the fruit of the vine. Those are the two elements that we are partaking in. We all understand that these elements represent Christ's blood and Christ's body, right, for the most part. And we all understand that we do these things in remembrance of, of Christ. So these are all things that we all agree with, all right? So we have some common ground, and... Um, there's also some other things that I think we, we all understand uh, that I would call incidentals. And I should have. I didn't put a transition here in this slide. But, uh, you know, there's some things in, in, in the details that we see in Matthew and Mark and Luke that are not followed. And I don't believe they, they have to be because they're just, they're just incidentals in that story. All right? For example, in Mark 14 and verse 15, we... We re realize that they're partaking in an upper room, okay? And we're not in an upper room. We, un I think, we all understand that's just that's just part of the store. There's, it's, it's just there, and we recognize that we're not bound uh, to all be in an upper room. We see these other examples in which people are partaking in other locations. All right, so that's not bound. We also see which I, I think is interesting here, uh, that Jesus isn't breaking the bread, okay? We, we, we recognize that. What, what is interesting to me, and, and Andrew gave me some literature that was supporting this teaching, and there was this long reading basically justifying the fact that, that it would be one loaf of bread, so one whole piece of bread that would be passed around, and then individuals, when it comes time for them to partake, they would break off a piece, okay? And there was this whole argument about how that is what we should be doing. But the problem is that that's not what, what, what happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all right? Jesus broke the bread, and so if we're going to follow that example, 
I think I think if we're going to keep in harmony with that example, whoever's leading the Lord's Supper should be the one that's breaking it off and distributing it to others. Okay, but we recognize. I, I, personally, I don't think it really matters who who is breaking the bread or how it's how it's done. But I just want to make the point here is that there's some things going on that's actually the others say that we shouldn't be doing. All right, and they're doing get not in harmony with that example of of Jesus uh, instituting the Lord's Supper. Okay, and so I bring all of this up to to point out. That there's all some things that we recognize that we agree with, and there's some things that we recognize as incidentals, okay? And, and that there's some things that are just part of that story that we're not bound 100% to follow. There's some things that we just can't do, right? Obviously, like what I said, can't partake in the upper room. We don't have Jesus here breaking the bread, right? So, going back to our main issue Matthew 26 here it says that he took the cup he gave thanks he gave it to them and then he tells them to drink from it okay so he tells them to drink from the cup Mark 14 it says then he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank from it okay so they're all drinking from this cup Luke 22 however says then he took the cup gave thanks and he says, take this and divide it among yourselves. So we have something in Luke 22 that's a little bit different, a little bit more information here. So he tells them to drink in Matthew 26 and Mark. In Luke 22, he tells them to divide it among yourselves. Okay. So he clarifies that they were to divide the cup, which leads us to the question as to how, how, how do you divide the cup, right? And how did they? Uh, did they divide it by drinking directly from the cup? Did they did they all have their individual cups and they poured a little bit uh, from Jesus' cup into theirs? How did they do that? Okay. The problem with that is we don't know. There's no information as how they divided the cup. Right? So therein lies a, a, another problem with saying you have to drink from this cup because what we see in Luke doesn't really give us a whole lot of information as to how they divide the cup. And you may say, well, Evan, what about Matthew and Mark? Right? You may say, well, Matthew and Mark clears up what it said in Luke 22. Okay? What about they all drank from it in Mark 14 and Matthew chapter 26? Okay? And that's, and that's a good point. But I went and I searched in New Testament for the phrase drank from it or drink from it and uh, this is the, the only verse that used that same language uh, it's John 4 verses 11 through 12 it says the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep uh, where then do you get that living water or are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock so Jacob digs the well he says also that he drank from it himself now how did Jacob drink from it and uh, I mean we don't have a lot of wells around here of course I have in my, I have a picture in my mind about what a well looks like alright and uh, you don't stick your head in the well and drink from it 
there's usually some bucket or some ladle or, or some other container in which you use uh, to gather the water from it and then you drink from it. And so what we see here is that him drinking from it does not mean that he is sticking his lips down into the to the water and, and drinking from it. Okay? And so it's kind of like if I was to bring a pitcher of Kool-Aid and I said, okay, everybody, y'all drink from, I want y'all all to drink from this pitcher, all right? Or if I brought a big cup and I said, drink from this cup, okay? Now, if you're at my house, beware because you might actually have be drinking from the pitcher, or at least me, by myself, okay? All right, that's the way I, I know some of you men, y'all drink, if y'all got a jug of milk in the refrigerator, that you that you might be drinking it directly from from the jug, okay? But usually, and, and I think we all understand that when, when we bring this pitcher or we have this jug, when I say drink from it or whatever, usually what's happening, somebody is pouring it into a glass or pouring it into some other, some other cup, okay? So just like what we see in John 4, and also, you know, ties in with what we see and, and I think really kind of harmonizes that, that, that slight difference in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is that they were dividing it. It still, even if they divide it, it still means that they could drink from it. They are drinking from it, uh, even though they may be using a cup and they might be drinking directly from the cup, okay? But the problem here is that we run into problems saying that they 100% drank from the same cup, okay? And so, if we all decide that we want to have one big cup and we all drink from it, directly from it, that's fine, okay? You can do that, all right? But the problem is binding it, saying this, you got to do it like this, and you're sinning when you don't do it like this. That is where the problem starts, okay? Because we can't conclude 100% that that is actually what happened uh, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. So also, and, and, and some of y'all know who this is. This is Indiana Jones. And he's he's there's a whole movie where they're going and trying to find the Holy Grail, okay? And... I guess since Jesus lived, people had this idea of a Holy Grail and there's some special cup that Jesus drank from and it has some powers or, or something. And uh, they have this whole story about people protecting the Holy Grail and that there's, it's probably buried somewhere. And I think there's some conspiracy that the Knights Templar came to America and buried it somewhere. Or something, you know. And there's, there's some idea that there's some special power and that grail or some special significance in that cup in which uh, Jesus drank of. And I, I don't, I just don't think there's no significance in that, in that cup at all. And um, in Matthew 26, again, retelling what we had previously read, but notice what he says here. He says, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day. All right? And 
people will say, well, the, the container is significant. But what we, what we see here is Jesus talking about, this is my blood of the covenant, blood of the new covenant. And then the very next sentence, the next, the next uh, yeah, the next sentence, he says, I'm not going to drink of this fruit of the vine. Okay. And so what did Jesus have on his mind here? Does he have on his mind the cup or the container Okay, or does he have on his mind the contents of the container? Is he thinking about the fruit of the vine? All right, so he says, "This is my blood," and then he says, "Drink of this fruit of the vine." And uh, at least for me, I think it's obvious that what he's talking about, what he has on his mind, is the actual fruit of the vine that's within this cup. He has on his mind uh, the the contents and not the actual container. Okay, and so when we go back and look that he's saying this is my blood of the new covenant, what he's saying is this fruit of the vine represents the blood of the new covenant. Okay, and so and then some of my reading on this, well, some will say, well, the cup, the cup itself represents the new covenant, and of course, I don't know how, um, I, I don't know why. Okay, but I think it's clear that the fruit of the vine here is what is representing the blood of the new covenant. And just to go on and to make that uh, make that point a little bit more clear, we look at a few uh, verses in Hebrews chapter nine, and it says, "But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, not with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands." That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. So what is the Hebrew writer trying to say? Okay, he says. So let's let's just go back, right? So, four testament comes into effect. There has to be the death of the testator, and then we also see here that therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. So what is he saying? He says that also the second covenant has to be dedicated with blood. And how was it dedicated? It was dedicated to the to the to, to the death of Christ. Okay, so the new covenant was dedicated with blood, just like just like the first. That Christ's blood allows for once to be cleansed. 
just like they would offer their sacrifices, now we have a much better sacrifice. That that animal's blood had to, you know, the head, the, the animal had to die. There had to be shed blood. But now, through Christ's shed blood, we can all be cleansed from sins, completely cleansed from our sins. Hebrews 10 and verse 29. We're all familiar with this verse as well. All right. So Christ's blood, we see that there had to be shedding of blood. The covenant was dedicated with blood. So the old covenant was dedicated with blood. So therefore, the new covenant is also dedicated with Christ's blood. Okay. So the blood of the covenant. Hebrews 10, verse 29. It's the middle of a thought here. But he says, Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. So... What blood are we talking about? Well, obviously, we're talking about Christ's blood. Okay, Hebrew writer again says that Christ's blood is the blood of the covenant. And through Christ's blood, you are sanctified. Okay? So it's, I think it's really obvious here that this blood of the covenant is, you know, is Christ's blood again. And so going back to this whole discussion about uh, the the contest of the fruit of the vine or whether or not we need we need to place significance on the cup itself the fruit of the the, the fruit of the vine represented the blood of the of this new covenant and so referencing when christ is referencing the blood of the covenant in matthew 26 mark 14 he's talking about the fruit of the vine right that, that thing that those the fruit of the vine is what represents uh that blood and has nothing to do whatsoever with the cup itself. And so, what we also uh, look at in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is that if the fruit of the vine represents the blood of the new covenant, then the communion of the blood of, of Christ in 1 Corinthians 10 that we've already read, when does it happen? Well, it happens when we partake of the fruit of the vine. Okay, So that is when it happens. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with the cup. The container serves no spiritual purpose. It's just not there. There's nothing that we can connect a dot to to say that it does. Okay, And so the container serves no spiritual purpose because the focus here is on the contents of, 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 of the, um, the contents of the cup and not the cup itself. So... Some say, and I've already referenced this, they say that the cup itself represents the new covenant. And there was this, I read this this debate, and, I, and, I, and I, I guess I don't really have a good understanding of what's all being said. But some would say, well, we recognize that the blood is the new covenant, or how the new covenant established, but the cup represents the new covenant. There's some, some distinction between representing the new covenant or being the new covenant that... I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can piece all that together. It doesn't make any sense to me because I think they're, they're, that's, that's one of the same, okay. And so, my question with this statement is that you know, if that is the case, what is the reason for that? Why would this container represent the new covenant? What need would there be for this? And I don't see that there really is a need for this because we already have something that represents how the new covenant was established, okay? And so how was the new covenant established? How was it dedicated? It was established through Christ's death, Christ's blood. 
And what represents Christ's blood? Well, it's the fruit of the vine. Okay. And how does the new covenant continue to have power? It's through that same thing. It's through his blood. That atoning sacrifice is here then, and it will be here forever. All right. The, the one can have their sins the same way as it did 2,000 years ago. And so again, the new covenant is established and it has power through Christ's sacrifice, through his blood, and through the vine represents. Okay? So there's no need uh, for us to have anything else uh, to represent uh, that new covenant. And so, uh, I went fairly quickly through this. There's, I mean, you can read lots and lots about it. Andrew handed me a stack of stuff. And... Uh, there was all kind of Greek translations and definitions and all that stuff, and I was like, we're not going to get with this. We'll get into all that. We're just going to keep it simple, okay? But the main point here is that we look through all these instances, and we see that we can't, we just can't bind uh, individuals drinking from the same cup or, or bind drinking from uh, multiple cups. Now, again, if you want to do it from the same cup, that's good. That's great. That's fine, all right? That's okay. But the problem is it's binding it, saying you have to do it like this, all right? Because we're running through some problems when we're binding uh, that rule. Well, I don't believe there really is no, or not one that we can figure out conclusively, right? The focus is on the contents, not the container. And there's, so there's, ultimately, there's no good reason as to believe the container holds any significance to us, all right? And so we have some flexibility as to how many containers we have, whether we have individual cups, whether we have one cup, whether we break the bread, or whether we have one whole loaf that the individual breaks as it's passing through, okay? And so, uh, I don't know, I hope this has been useful for y'all. I don't know how much y'all have looked into this or even knew, knew about this, uh, but when we look at, when we look at uh, false teachings, I think a lot of times in our minds we think about things that are that well they're teaching something that's too liberal. Okay, they're too too liberal. They're they're too far to the left. They're going beyond way 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 beyond what is written. Okay, but a lot of times these teachings, the false teachings, come from the fact that they're too conservative. They're binding. Uh, they're binding too much. Where God has allowed some flexibility. They're binding it to one specific way. And I don't know if somebody said it here, and I may have mentioned it before, but I, I remember hearing somebody saying that a lot of times we think about the left and right or far left or far right or, or liberal or conservative as being polar opposites of one another. All right, so we think of this line, and we have the far, what would this be for y'all? This would be the far right, and then we have the far left. But in actuality, it's more like a circle. And there, if you think about a circle... And they're really more closely aligned than we realize. And it's that same idea of going beyond uh, what is written, that we're, we're doing things that are not authorized by the Lord, or we're binding things that are not been bound by the Lord. And so we also we always have to be careful uh, that we're not in one of those two boats, that we only do those things that are in Scripture, and, and read the Scriptures and making sure that we're always uh, doing those things that are right and pleasing in God's sight. So again, I hope this has been useful for y'all. I really haven't been talking a lot about salvation and how to be saved and all the good things that we can have from that, but 
remember that the, the, the reason why we even partake of the Lord's Supper is remembrance of Christ's death, okay? And his death is just like it established the new covenant. It's the reason why we're here today, okay? That uh, we're followers of him, uh, we're saved through him, we have all of our sins washed away, and we can continue to have our sins uh, washed away uh, through his blood. And um, if anyone here wants to become a part of that, they want to have that communion uh, with one another, with the blood and body of Christ. We certainly would like to help you with those things, uh, get those things squared away as quickly as possible. And also, if you're a Christian, um, if you need the prayers of the saints, if there's something going on in your life you need to confess, uh, we hope that you come forth as we stand and as we sing, will you come?